Welcome to the Enlightenment Evolution Hour. I am your host, Rob Gothier, the ET Whisperer. The Enlightenment Evolution Hour is a part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network. Any ideas or opinions expressed by myself, the guest, or a caller may not necessarily reflect the same opinions of the Enlightenment Evolution Network. Enlightenment defined, it's the state of giving and receiving greater knowledge and understanding about a certain subject or situation. Evolution defined, the gradual development of something, especially from a simple to a more complex form. So what then is Enlightenment Evolution? The state of giving and receiving greater knowledge as we develop from a simple to a more complex human being, living on Earth for our soul's experience. Welcome now and join us as we explore our Enlightenment Evolution Hour together. Everybody, welcome to the Enlightenment Evolution Hour. I am your host, Rob Gothier, and today is a huge day. Uh, not only do we have an amazing guest, uh, an old friend of mine, a channeler that uh, a lot of people love, it is also a day that I make some great announcements for both the show, the network, and ET Whisperer. So let's get that out of the way, and then we're going to bring our wonderful guest, Daniel Scranton, in. Um, first of all, the Enlightenment Evolution Hour. We've got some uh, guests coming up here in the near future. Uh, unfortunately, next week, our guest is not going to be able to make it. So we're trying to move some things around. Ruben Langton might be able to jump in. If not, Ruben will be on a little later. Um, the week after that, we have the Adam Twister, who you guys have been waiting to see in the comments section. He's been here every day. Not a lot of people know who he is here, but you will get to know him and his amazing story. Uh, on the 30th of this month, we have Ryder Lee, who's uh, who does his own podcast, uh, Raised by Giants, amazing guy. I was on his show a couple times uh, recently, and a lot of you guys were over there supporting it, loving it. Uh, and then we have some shows in December that we have not yet uh, scheduled. We're waiting back on a few people except for the one on the 28th. The 28th is going to lead us into our network announcements because on the 28th, I am going to be doing a simulcast where the shows will come to mix. The Matrix Mind Media and myself will be doing a show together. Um, Matthew is a, is a good friend of mine, a great guy. He runs the Matrix Mind Media, but that brings us to this announcement. Uh, as some of you who are on the Matrix Minds uh, Facebook page, welcome to the show. We're live streaming there tonight live, uh, which is amazing. After this, if you go to the Matrix Mind Media, he is running a show uh, tonight right after mine is over, and it's going to be amazing. I will be there in the comment section hanging out, so you guys will check that out. I'll drop the link in the chat, um, and the link to the website is there already in the description. The Enlightenment Evolution Hour, uh, being part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network, the network itself is extended quite well. Um, we're working with a lot of people now, the Conscious Awakening Network, which is the internet uh, media 
application, website, uh, Apple. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember um, what the other one is. Roku is one of them. Uh, Amazon Fire is another one. We're on all of those there. Um, the Forbidden Knowledge Network, we will be uploading all of our shows to there and the Conscious Awakening Network soon. And we're going to be working with Matrix Mind Media uh, from now on. So this show is getting out to a lot more people than just this channel now, which is something amazing. And this week being the first week in the Matrix Mind Media is, is a great blessing. So thank you, Matthew. Thank you for that show. Uh, and thank you for letting us use your platform to, to expand our own uh, shows in and help get people to your show too. It's an amazing thing. Hello, hello, everybody in the chat. Welcome, welcome. Uh, ET Whisper announcements. Um, I'm trying to make them as short as possible, guys. I know we've already been on five minutes, but we have the course that is still live there, the Healing Sexuality course, which is an amazing course. We're already two out of the four weeks into the course, but if you still want to go and get it, you can be part of the Q&A that's coming this weekend. Get your questions in about the first two weeks. Um, you can also have access to all of it, and it's a for-life access. You'll get it till the time ends and the internet is no more or humans are no more, whichever comes first in this body. We're not guaranteeing it for other incarnations if you forget your password. <laughs> so remind yourself of that, guys. We're going to play. Uh, uh, there's Matthew right there. Matthew Turner from Matrix Mind Media. Thank you so much, brother, for, for allowing us to use your platform. Thank you, brother, for being here. Um, we're going to play, guys, a real quick clip um, of the... Um, of the actual course that's happening right now and you guys can check it out we also will put the link to that in the description for all of you who want to so it's a real quick clip about a minute and on the end of this clip we're bringing in our wonderful guest daniel scranton and i'll tell you a little bit about him after the clip's over thanks guys for being here i love you guys and what an amazing amazing co-creation tonight with all of you thank you for being here guys all right let's roll the clip here we go through the construct, the technical attributes of the human sexuality, the energetic mechanics of co-creation, creation, individual understanding, part of the energy fields of the human collective consciousness as a singular entity into your collective consciousness. Sexuality affects all beings. guys that was a little clip we have uh, longer clips but we didn't want to beat you over the head with this thing because our guest tonight is an amazing guest daniel scranton is a verbal channeler a spiritual teacher and a sound healer he's been channeling the 12th dimension non-physical collective is known as the creator since the fall of 2010 those of you who are old school followers of this show 
have seen both Daniel and the creators and the Hathors and many other beings come through on the shows that we did together on the Enlightenment Evolution's earliest incarnation. So you guys have seen that, uh, and we're going to try to get a lot of the old shows archived so you guys can go check them out if you weren't around during that time. Um, since then, a wide array of guides and collectives have spoken through him. Some of those include Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, uh, Quan Yin, Yeshua, the Hathers, the Pleiadian High Council of Seven, the Arturian Council. He's also discovered his ability to channel light languages using healing overtones, also uses the ability to help others heal themselves and manifest reality they desire. And Daniel works with individuals or one-on-one -on -one sessions, does group events, teachers, varieties of classes, including uh, channeling classes. Daniel does channeling classes all the time. If you guys want to learn how to channel, I always suggest to people, uh, he's one of the great teachers of channeling out there. So uh, Daniel lives on the island of Maui with his lovely wife, Mary Chris, and their daughter, Thela. And I hope I said that right. If not, you can correct me in a minute here, Daniel. Um, his daily channelings can be found all over the internet, uh, and you can always go to his website, check it out. We've listed both his website and his channeling course that he's working on, the largest course. But let's bring him in to talk to the man himself. Daniel, hello. Welcome, brother. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Hey, Rob. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Oh, man. I'm so glad to have you on. It's been a long time uh, since we've done this. It's been years, brother. Um, I know. I know. We that we had that in-person channel panel event. It was about five years ago, right? 2017? Yeah, 2017. December. Yeah, that was fun. That was amazing. That was on New Year's Eve Eve, and mm. that was great. Uh, and we had a lot of great channelers there. Uh, and it was my first time after talking to Daryl for many years to be able to meet him um, and, and spend a little time with him and his wife. And uh, uh, yeah, and we got to see all of our old friends there, too, uh, people that we had seen for years before, which was really nice. And, and meet Karen in person, too, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Since then, you've been a busy man, and we'll get into some of that a little bit uh, later here. But before we do, I want to start off the same way that I start off with everyone. You have a story, and your story has been well documented. You've shared it many times in many ways with many people, uh, and it's a beautiful story, and I'm sure we'll touch on some of that as we go. But the thing I, I really want to understand about every guest who comes into the co-creation here with me, what opened you to be the person that you were that was available to have that story? What made you the Daniel that was open up to the possibility of becoming a channeler? What things in your childhood, your early uh, adulthood, teenage years really opened you up to develop the sense of person that could be a channeler? Well, I'm sure it was all the stuff that uh, hurt me. <laughs> all the things that didn't go the way that I wanted them to go in life, um, including my earliest memories of god which um god was to be feared god was scary and um you know my faith in uh, catholicism uh turned me into a bit of a tortured soul because i always felt like i wasn't good enough i was a sinner um i i better not think even think that thought or you know i'm gonna go to 
hell. Um, so it, it starts, it starts with a lot of pain, <laughs> a lot of like misfortune. And, you know, I went, went from that. I did a video about all of this. That's 45 minutes long. That tells my whole story and it's on my, it plays um, automatically when you go to my YouTube channel. And, um, but the shortened version of it is that that led me to, I think whenever something is really painful, eventually, you know, we sort of realize, hey, I should stop doing this or turn away from this. So I sort of turned away from Catholicism as soon as I entered uh, my freshman year at Boston University. I was a person who, as a teenager, who had his own car and his own license would drive himself to church. That's how, you know, <laughs> that's how ingrained it was into me. Yeah. You were hardcore then. Yeah. I didn't like it, but, <laughs> but I went and, um, you know, never felt like I had a relationship with Jesus or anything like that. It was just like, this is the, the fear-based uh, thing that I believe in and um, I better believe in it or else. Um, but, you know, I, I learned in my freshman year at BU that these stories in the Bible, they're not exclusive to the Bible, that a lot of different cultures and, you know, beliefs touch on the same stories. And so that started me questioning it all, you know, because growing up Catholic, you didn't know, I didn't know anything about anything else other than that. You know, the idea of like people of the cloth getting married was completely a foreign concept to me. Um, so I, once I started to move away from Christianity, I moved into atheism. And I'll tell you, atheism also was not fun. <laughs> to be because I would be sitting in my apartment in my 20s in Hollywood and I'd be thinking about well if that's all there is like I die and I go in the ground and that's it that sucks too and so I'd get like these horrible feelings of fear in my body and I'd be like time to stop thinking about this <laughs> you know yeah that's and what also what also happened, yeah, in my 20s was I um, I got I started getting really tired. I started to experience like extreme tiredness, just even with like plenty of sleep, you know, so that's when I discovered meditation. It was it wasn't even I didn't even know it was meditation meditating that I was doing. I just was like, you know, if I lie down for 20 minutes, I feel better. So why don't I go lie down? And then I realized like, hey, rather than set an alarm clock that will go off in 20 minutes, why don't I see how many breaths it takes to breathe in 20 minutes? And I'll just count my breaths. Wow. So I taught myself how to meditate being completely asleep. Like I had no... The only exposure I had to new agey stuff my whole life was Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb, which I saw on my little black and white TV set in, you know, whenever that was on, I think it was on ABC miniseries. 
that that was it that was the only thing i ever encountered so i didn't know meditation and i was meditating before i was awake and um so i <clears throat> i had to meditate if i didn't meditate i was walking zombie of just really because i when i get tired i'm just not happy either you know like i just kind of drag my body around and and so i needed to meditate to because caffeine didn't help i couldn't nap so it was like it was like this perfect convergence of things to get me to meditate before i even knew anything about spirituality and and i think because i was such a consistent meditator um this channeling thing could happen you know and um and also I became obsessed with um, channeling once I did wake up. So I was like going to as many channeling events as I could. And I was absorbing all the energies and everything. And I didn't even, again, I didn't know that that's what I was doing by going to these, uh, these workshops all over the world. I, and um, I don't want to interrupt you, but you bring up that and it reminds me of the clip. And I don't know if it still exists. But you're there at an Abraham uh, channeling, uh, 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 Esther Hicks Abraham uh, channeling course, and you're asking uh, Abraham about this new thing that's happening to you, and it ends up being oh, your channeling. Is that clip still I didn't exist know, somewhere out there? I didn't know that that ever made it to the internet. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I remember being there for it, but I don't. Rem I didn't know that it ever got. Uh, spread on the onto the internet well it so, was early when you first started channeling um, yeah. i can't remember who showed it so one of our acquaintances uh mutual acquaintances mm. must have um but i had showed you long ago and you're like whoa that's crazy i remember that um but it was something about how you had shared about the noises and the sounds that were coming from you and, and you felt this energy mm -hmm. there and it was yeah. uh, actually quite amazing to hear you on on one of those older recordings uh, yeah. going through your initial process. I was uh, I was such a huge Aber that like I I was in the hot seat seven total of seventeen times, and um, at their workshops, and somebody thought I must be an audience plant, and they would write like in the reviews to the because they sell the DVDs of the workshops on amazon um or at least they used to jerry nester used to and um and somebody was like this this guy must be an audience plant he said he's in phoenix and then he's in Asheville. and how what is he a billionaire <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, he, and he asks such amazing questions like they, they must be giving him those questions so i um yeah, so it, that was pretty funny. And um, I, you know, and I really wish I had gotten to know um, Jerry and Esther better when I was doing all that. But I, I only knew them like in brief moments of like conversation. But I really wish because I, I loved, I especially loved um, Jerry because I felt like I knew so much about him as a person and like what he stood for and, and how he lived his life. And his, his whole story is fascinating. I mean, that, that was one fascinating dude um, who passed on, I think 2011. 
Yeah, but anyway, I didn't know a lot about him until I met Kalina. I didn't even know who Esther Hicks was until after really? I met Kalina. Yeah, I was that detached from most. Like I knew Daryl Anka and uh, Lee Carroll and uh, like Magenta huh. Pixie, and that was it. Um, when I first started channeling, I bumped into these people while I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. But uh, yeah. when I heard about him, you're right. He was an amazing dude. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm always surprised when people don't know who Esther is because at Esther's workshops, they'll you know they would get like 500 people after the secret came out. Everything really exploded for her, even though they cut her out of the secret. <laughs> yeah, I heard <laughs> you know, about that too. That it was, was initially like video. all Esther, and then it became like everybody but Esther, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's still it it still resulted in their workshops being 500 people and her books being like almost like her books would launch and almost be the number one seller on Amazon. They'd be like second or third. And um yeah, so she's huge, but um uh and and deservedly so. That's the cool thing too about the channeling world that you and I are part of is the cream does rise to the top. You know, it's yes. it's Esther. I think the big three are Esther, Daryl, and Lee. Cry Cryons, Lee, and Lee Harris. You're you're good too. We love you, Lee Harris. But <laughs> but <laughs> Lee Carroll. I think those are the top three known channelers in the world. You know. Yeah, yeah. Lee Harris is making a, a cut for it too. I I was surprised oh, yeah. to see that he's got thousands of people popping up on his online courses and. uh yeah. yeah, he's he's doing really well too. Um, we just it. had him on the show too. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think uh, I think he'll be there and or surpassing some of those names as far as uh, being well known and probably the next five years or so because he's yeah. he's grown so much just since I've met him. And yeah, look, and you too. I mean, I look at the amount of people that you draw in from your channeling, and I'm amazed. You know, and um. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that you guys are are getting it in there. I took three years pretty much out of the public. I only took private sessions uh, after Lily oh, wow. was born. Um, yeah, she had a couple medical issues up front and a couple surgeries, and we shared that with uh, with everybody and kind of shared that. But um, yeah, it was it was a heck of a road. And as I've always mm -hmm. done, I always prioritize the the issue with the kids and medical stuff and and all that, and then. When I came back, I just looked around and saw everybody, how well they've been doing. And I was so happy to see people because you, you're one of the people who I know in the channeling community who's most genuinely excited to be a channeler. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> literally, you love the process of channeling. Like, a lot of people are like, yeah, I kind of fell into it. <laughs> They're not always happy about yeah. the attention that they get with it, um, mm. things like that. And maybe that that's from them being in the field for decades or whatever. But, um, you know, you're, you're genuinely excited. Uh, so to see you do well has been an amazing thing for me, too. Um, so sorry, sorry to cut you off. So as you're going through this whole process of, of finding yourself and going to these and then you start channeling, what what was the first thing you noticed as you started channeling more regularly into the public arena of channeling and sharing your channeling? What were some big shifts in, in your experience that you noticed? Well, um, 
Well, you know, first of all, when I started channeling, like you said, you don't you only knew of three people. I didn't know that many people who channeled at the time. So I, you know, um, I had no real way of like getting mentorship, you know, um, I didn't know like how to how to get support with it. And I had what I had to do basically was keep on um, pressing forward with it, even though I didn't always believe it was real. I thought, um, you know, I'm just making this up. Uh, all the things that everybody else thinks who starts channeling. Um, with some, you know, Jane Roberts, uh, who channeled Seth, thought she might be going crazy, you know. So, but the doubt thing is really hard. And you, when you first start out, when you first start out as a channeler, you have to cut yourself a lot of slack. And I realize that now. And one of the things that Bashar said to me at a workshop, which I'm sure there's also a clip of out there on the internet somewhere, because <laughs> I was asking him, I was new to channeling and I was like, hey, um, what's going on here? Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and uh, and and Bashar said, you know, um, he said to me, well, do you care if it's what you're channeling is accurate? And I said, um, well, I want it to be helpful. And he said, that's not what I asked because uh, it won't always be 100 percent accurate but it will always be what the person needs to hear in the mm. moment. Mm -mm. And I, now I, t I tell people that at all my channeling classes, because I want people to realize like, look, we all want to channel the neck, the new 10 commandments and the new uh, Emerald tablets. And we all want to channel like this, groundbreaking earth shattering stuff that's going to blow everybody's mind but what what's really needed is the repetition of the same old thing which is you are love you know we're all one everybody's source we're all creating this it's all a dream you know like all the stuff that people need really need to hear is what is what needs to be put out there but when and when people start channeling generally they start channeling what they already know which is also confusing because you're thinking like well if this is what i already know and i'm channeling it then what maybe it's just me repeating what i already know but it's it's when you keep at it anyway and you realize like okay it First of all, everybody needs to realize that the main event here is the energy. It's not the uh, it's not the words, it's not the teachings and it's not the information. It's the energy coming through the channel that matters the most, that gives the listener, the receiver, the reader of the channeling exactly what they need because they'll be getting their own downloads. They'll be having their own experience of it. And um, sometimes people will come up to you after an event or something and say, well, you know when they said this? 
And I'll be thinking they didn't say that, but I'm glad that that <laughs> person got their own, had their own experience of it, you know? So um, that's the important thing. And that's what, that's what has, that's what I had to get through and everybody has to get through is that, and also that it doesn't come out as smoothly as we would all like it to initially, you know, there's a lot of uhs and ums and stopping and starting and pausing. And that's one thing you'll read. If you read the Seth books, you'll read Rob, um, not you, Rob, Rob Butts. <laughs> the other Rob, Rob. <laughs> Rob yeah. Butts would say like uh, in the in the notes, there was a pause at 9.15. There was a, a, like a five minute pause. And then you realize like, oh, even the greatest channeler ever as far as i'm concerned yeah in the history as as, of the planet as far as daniel scranton is concerned jane roberts was and is the best if she even had pauses in the midst of these um uh immense uh you know channeling she was doing then of course it's okay to not have it be as fluid and beautiful as we'd all like it to be you know single take and all of that um, so, you know, everybody needs to, and I hope everybody who's listening, uh, or who will listen, you know, wants to channel themselves and will e experiment with it and, you know, mess around with it. And when you do, I hope you're very gentle with yourself, you know, and in the beginning, because it takes time to get anything new that you haven't already heard a million times before. That's something too, that that's definitely in the forefront of you know, 95% or more of everybody who comes to first start channeling thing is accuracy, uh, words, truth. Um, and you know, there are different archetypes of people with different beliefs and different, uh, ideas of what they want out of the channeling and that's fine. But regardless of what it is, trusting yourself, and trusting the moment, trusting the exchange, trusting it's all the, the first and usually only hurdle to a lot of people when they break into that. And and I, I did want to say too, I second the greatest channeler, uh, Jane Roberts. I, as far as I'm concerned, that is also correct. But um, yeah, the thing that you said about people hearing something you, when you're like, yeah, no, 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 I laughed because that's something I actually talked to with about a, a couple of the guests who were also channelers, um, there's something that I, I listen back to my channeling because I'm not present with it in the moment. I'm not mm. listening to what they're saying, but I'll listen mm. back. And I feel like uh, because it runs through my body, because I have a relationship with Trevin Ardiff, that I understand exactly what they're getting at, how they're sharing, why they're sharing, mm. the nuances, ambience, all of it. And then someone will come and say, man, you know, this is really great part of it. And I was like, I never heard that. And it's funny because mm. everyone does get exactly what they need out of it. The one example yeah. I always think of when it comes to energy channelers is Sean Swanson. I've listened to him channel in person a few times during the channel panels, but also I've listened to a few of his videos. Um, and one thing I can say is by the time that session is done, I barely remember anything that was talked about. Mm -hmm. All I remember is the vibration of happiness and love. Yeah. And that feeling is punches me harder than almost any channeler on the planet. 
I don't need to hear what he's saying. The energy behind mm -hmm. what he's channeling is that energy for me. And he's one of the few channelers on the planet that I feel that with, uh, even though I know, you know, that's a specific thing for me. Um, but it is, it, it's exactly what the person needs to. And I never thought of it that way, even though I understand every experience we have as human beings is created between the two people having it. So it begs to differ, you know, or it stands to to express that everyone is going to get exactly what they need, even if the information's harmful. Uh, and we've talked about that before on other shows too. Mm. But um, the information that uh, your guides, the creators first who came through you, uh, and most prominently in the first few years, um, the types of things that they shared with you that personally helped you shift, what were these types of, of things that you – because by then you had already understood a lot of the basic fundamentals of, of consciousness and co-creation and, and creatorship. What were some of the things that they gave you a new insight into that just kind of helped you grow in a direction? Hmm. I feel like um, it was more of, you know, what helped me immensely when I was channeling initially was the fact that uh, in order, I knew that in order to grow as a channeler, I needed to just keep doing it. And so because of that, the need for that consistency, I would, I would take my phone with me on hikes and I'd go out into a forest and I'd sit by a tree or next to a rock and I would channel them there. And now looking back at that, looking back at what I was doing, um, I realized that that those memories I have of doing that, going off on those trails and, and finding a spot and channeling those are, I have so many like, really great memories in my life now that I look back at and that time, which was so hard too, because everything was new and I didn't know what I was doing or whether I was doing it right. You know, um, I'm just so glad that if it was the creators who guided me to do that, you know, it, or after the creators, it was a fairy named Ophelia that I started channeling, um, that I discovered on one of these hikes. It's like, um, I've always seemed to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing and meeting the right people like you, you know, in my life. And, um, I do feel like, you know, I'm not the type of person who, who gets a lot of, uh, messages from the beings that are directed towards me and they're not telling me what to do. Right. But everything that they say through me for someone else is also for me. Like <laughs> I amazing need, how that works. <laughs> oh man. I do. I need to get it just, just beaten into my thick skull, you know, that like, <laughs> this is the way this is how you, cause it's funny, but before we came on and I was listening to your intro and I was thinking about what it means to be awake and what it means to be enlightened and all that stuff. I mean, it's true that 
we're awake, you and me and everybody else here is awake spiritually, but the enlightenment is the the path from the moment you awaken to the moment where you live everything that you know, where it becomes more than just what you know, it's how you live and who you are. And the it's this month marks 12 years for me as a channeler. And um, that journey of just those 12 years of channeling is, it's remarkable. You know, it's, it's like uh, putting it all into practice to, to be a better human being and you know and i'm i'm constantly being challenged to do that by everyone in my life yeah that's beautiful and and you're right 12 years it's it's hard to imagine that we we both started channeling literally within a month of each other uh, in really? 2010 yeah i started channeling publicly uh in december 2010 so that's crazy. Oh, wow. I thought yeah. you had been doing it for longer than me. <laughs> no, I, I thought so too, but apparently I did not. It may have been December for me too, because I didn't actually put a little note in a calendar somewhere. But I know that, that that Abraham workshop where they told me, yes, you're doing it, keep doing it. That was October 20 something. And then I went back to LA. That was in Asheville, North Carolina. Went back to LA. I practiced with someone over Skype four times a week. And at some point I started speaking at first I was just doing a lot of moving and the energy was present and moving me around. But as, as I've seen you and other people do the, that movement of the, the upper body and, but back then it was um, much more, there was much more tension in me and uh in my face and my neck and everything yeah so that that just was like all my experience of channeling until i spoke for the creators the first time they said we are here for you and i knew that i didn't come up with that i knew uh -huh. that was channeled because um it just you know what with channeling i think what everybody who wants to channel what you what you want to experience initially is a type of volcanic eruption that where it comes up and out of you and you don't you don't even necessarily know that it's coming you don't know what's going to be said then after that and rob you're um a trance channeler so you probably have a different experience of it than i do but when i'm channeling because i'm conscious of it after those initial, after the initial eruption, then it feels much more like there's a co-creation going on with me and them to, to translate what they're giving me and do it uh, appropriately with, you know, with choosing the, the right words and the right analogies and everything. Um, but I don't, I don't know what it's like for you because I don't know what it's like to be a trans channeler. Yeah, it, it's a bit different. Um, I disappear completely. You know, I spend my time with Trev, just hanging out wherever he's at. We go and we hang out. So it's it's totally different for me. The only thing I can say about channeling uh, that I feel is going into it, coming out of it, and kind of an hour or so afterwards, I, that intensive energy is really present. And it's not draining, but it's ungrounding. And uh, I think, I think you know as we have pre-agreements before coming to the earth 
I think that I chose that because I knew my mental state would never have allowed me to be a part of that conversation to start with. I can conscious channel now, um, mm. but I, I don't. I, I When I publicly channel, I still trans channel because it's more, for me, it's more accurate and more uh, the choice of words Artif would choose or Treb would choose. I like them better than my own. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing I notice about the trans channeling is the energy that process when i listen back to it someone will ask a question and i know the answer even if i've never been exposed to that information and that's because it's run through my body so it becomes a part of my memory even though i wasn't present mm. during so it's it's much different and wow. i always commend you like kalina uh is a conscious channeler too she's been putting out her videos recently um and it's rough uh i i don't i i commend you guys because there's a lot of processing um, that I, I don't think I could do. I couldn't get out of the way enough because I'm so involved. Mm. And that's why I like doing this show. I, I get to be a part of it. <laughs> Whereas in the trans, I, I know, I'm yeah. so far back. But um, I want to touch something too that you had said um, when you were talking uh, you know, about the experience and living what you're channeling and that being the difference. Um, that, you know, when people hear that, a lot of the time they'll think, a couple of things like, wow, you know, maybe I can have my perfect life and the way I want to do if I can just figure out how to do that. Or they'll say, well, this guy's full of shit. There's nobody who can have a perfect life. And I find that people misunderstand that when channelers say that a lot. I don't think people are saying my life is exactly perfect because I've been able to follow every word of channeling. I think it's more in tune and in alignment because you're activating more of those things. Uh, I would imagine there are still times that pop up and, and things that happen to you where you're, you have to take a step back and go, what the hell, <laughs> you know, and deal mm. with that as, as that comes in life. Has that been your experience or has it been pretty smooth sailing? Oh, no, it, it no, not at all. Um, smooth sailing. Um, you know, I, I've been through a lot in the past 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, but the, you know, the channeling aspect, the spiritual aspect of my life has been great. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard to imagine what my life would be like without it. Um, but the challenges, you know, we all like Lisa Royal Holt, who's up there for me in, in terms of who's putting out great channeled messages right now. Oh, she, she's amazing. Yeah, she's she's one of the rock stars. Um, she has something with her spine. I remember that coming through in one of her channel transmissions from Sasha or Jermaine. It's like she's she's got some kind of issue physically that she's just going to have. Um, and she just has to live with it sort of thing. Um, so, you know, and we all have that, we all have something that we're dealing with that isn't easy. Um, in spite of the fact that we channel and we do healing work and all this stuff that, uh, that we tap into, it's, um, you know, look at the way Jane Roberts died. Yeah. Um, it's like, <clears throat> uh, another thing I, I was, I think I was listening to a clip of, um, 
her channeling Seth or something. And it was like, um, you know, Seth's but Seth's always trying to tell Rob and Jane all these things about their relationship with money and stuff. And, um, and yet they're always running out and, you know, they always expect to run out of money and then they do. And, you know, so even the, you know, the great Seth was unable to make their lives perfect, uh, Jane and Rob. Um, and Jane died of uh, rheumatoid arthritis after, you know, being in a lot of pain. So, um, and in her fifties too. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely not, you know, in Esther Hicks, she lost her husband, Jerry, who she thought she'd have, you know, with her into his hundreds, you know? Um, and that was really painful. And, you know, so everybody has something that they're dealing with. Do you think that, do you think that earth itself as a collective is just, do you think all the souls that create this, this thing together, we all just agree there's going to be a threshold of something uh, that each of us are challenged by? Cause I, you know, my perspective would be that as a soul coming into a planet, that's perfect with no adversity, mm-hmm. no diversity or no mm-hmm. things to overcome would be pretty boring. Yeah. It, it would be boring. Um, and, you know, and we've all had those beautiful magical experiences in other dimensions and other systems and everything. And, and we came to earth as, you know, the proving ground, you know, okay. You think you got your shit together? Well, try earth <laughs> for a few hundred <laughs> or thousand lifetimes. And uh, yeah. So I do think that um, this is uh, ultimately the place to be though. And, and where the most, the most uh, growth experience is possible. You know, what part of my, um, one of my obsessions right now is near death experiences. And I just, uh, I I listen to them as people will um, read accounts on YouTube um, all the time. Uh, There's like three or four channel channels that do that, that just like read a new one every single day. Cause they, people post them on these websites. Um, I a N D S is one of them. Um, and the other one is like N D E R F dot whatever. I don't know if these are dot com or dot org or what, but, um, that they, they'll post the written account and then some person takes them and reads them on YouTube and they're just amazing. And I, I realize that, you know, the, the experience that I had in March of 2010, where I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt all this energy, it is so similar to what people describe in their near death experiences that now I kind of feel like I had a near death experience without having to go through the bad car accident or, you know, suicide attempt or all the things that people talk about leading up to their near-death experience um but it's like you know to be able because i back in uh march of 2010 i was feeling a bit suicidal at that time 
because I was in a lot of physical pain and a lot of emotional pain and I just wanted out of here. And um, sometimes you can be given like a near-death experience, even if you just think you're going to die or you're contemplating it. Um, and I think that's what happened to me. And it's one of the, and w whenever you listen to someone's account of a near-death experience too, it's one of the greatest things you could possibly imagine experiencing in this human form is to, is to feel all that love and to know everything is going to be okay. And, you know, and, but some people come back from their ND and they have still like a terrible life to live. And then other people come back and they're completely healed of everything. And, um, they have all these abilities and stuff. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have like an easy life after you have it, but it is one of those earth experiences we get to have. That's just unbelievably good. You know, I, I, I've read a little bit about this topic as well. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but my spiritual journey started off in a spiritualism church. So they were really big in the afterlife. That's their, claim uh to fame for the church is that uh when you come here we can prove god exists because we can speak to those who have died so that was what i initially wanted to do was speak to the humans who had passed on uh before i met mm. Trev. so mm. this was a big thing even the people who i met uh through the church or heard accountings of who went back to that shitty life that they had they always had a, a different level of tolerance for the pain and suffering that they went through or at mm. least a, a rekindled remembrance of the possibility that even once this is done everything will be okay so it was like a a, a crutch or or a cane to lean on when they went through this emotionally horrible mm. horrible time um i don't know if that's anything like some of these that you have read um but I haven't, I haven't read for decade plus uh, any of that material. Well, luckily, I, you know, YouTube just like they just recommended it to me one day. And I've been I've been obsessed with these for months and months, like at least four months uh, listening to them. Um, other people read them so I can listen while I'm brushing my teeth and stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh, when, when I think about my experience that is what i thought while it was happening i thought oh now everything's going to be better now now that this is happening like i'm getting this i thought i was getting this healing and everything was going to be better in my life and things did get better um but not all at once and not completely not like oh now you'll never have that problem again um because i did start channeling that later that same year um but the what was i gonna say yeah the the moment that it was happening i'm thinking like i you know this is it like every everything is solved now but then i had to go through my divorce from my first wife and i got you know engaged like i met someone like so quickly after that and got engaged and that didn't work out and it's like things still were hard even though i had this amazing experience that i thought was going to make everything better because you know ultimately we don't as much as everybody thinks they want the solar flash to come 
and you know everything to be revealed and full disclosure and like as much as everybody thinks that there's some sort of cure-all elixir band-aid to put over everything there really isn't you know it's just it's about the slow and steady crawl <laughs> that we're making towards the you know ascension and um and in order to get there we all have to face a lot and feel a lot and um there's no shortcuts there's no med beds <laughs> that are yeah. gonna make everything better <laughs> Yeah, that's unfortunately something uh, that a lot of people have, have leaned on to. And we saw this in 2010, uh, leading up to 2012. Um, a lot of the channelings that were coming out, especially those leaned toward a Galactic Federation of Light, continue to say we're landing, uh, we're taking out cabals, <laughs> we're going to make everything better. Um, I don't know why anyone who channels Galactic Federation of Light, it's always like... I don't know. It, it's always that it, way. I've never seen any any Galactic Federation of Light channeling that I've ever liked. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat exactly <laughs> with you. I actually wrote like extremely large articles about it with uh, <laughs> links and dates and everything. I keep sharing it on Facebook every time I see a, lots of GL uh, OF uh, posts go up. But <laughs> I remember the disappointment in our community from that. Mm. Like we had a mass exodus of channeling people in 2012 and you know whether that's by really design yeah like 2012 there there were people lining up uh in in channeling community uh for every types of channelings because this galactic federation light stuff was so powerful uh of a presence in our community and then once the ships didn't land everyone was like i got gypped you know i sold my property i was told you know hurricane some some of them were like oh. hey you know great winds will destroy the planet and then we'll come to save the survivors and then the other oh. ones were just like don't worry we'll kill off the cabal for you and take over so it was oh. something that oh. was a little it was a little dark either way but the disappointment came and people left and that for me wow. that hurt my heart because i was like this community has so much to offer if you can use that discernment to get you to, to what's there. And I think humans in general kind of gravitate towards the savior thing, um, you know, yeah. like, or they gravitate to what's going to get me through with the least amount of work. Um, so yeah. it's a natural <laughs> thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And that is like, honestly, that's the message of star Wars. If you really look at it, it's like the darks, the dark side, they want to take all the shortcuts. You know, yes. they want the technology to do it. You know, Anakin doesn't want to have to grieve his wife who's going to die giving birth. You know, like nobody wants, even Luke in Empire Strikes Back, they're telling him Yoda. And I think, I don't know if Obi-Wan comes in after Luke leaves in the X-Wing to go save everybody in the Cloud City. But you know, they're saying that you're you're trying, you're going to ruin everything you're working for if you go there and you take the fast and easy route. And and it's like, it's funny because a lot of people who are awake are into Star Wars too, but they don't necessarily see that the message is like it. spirituality and and growth spiritual growth is about is about the long haul and sacrifice and doing things 
doing things the natural way as opposed to like building a device with technology that can do it for you like med beds you know <laughs> um <laughs> it's like no you you're supposed to take the long journey that is that sometimes is um lonely and and requires a ton of patience um and uh yeah i just you know i wish more people got that but i but i also love star wars and um <laughs> yeah. and 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 understand why you know people could take that and misinterpret it and think like it's about overthrowing it's about defeating you know it's because you got it it's a movie so at the end of the day you've got to have an overthrowing of the empire and all of that you don't you don't just have luke meditating in the swamp you know um <laughs> It wouldn't have been quite the quite the seller, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing, and I always I always mention this whenever I talk about Star Wars, the thing that saves the the galaxy at the end of the day is that he loves his father, even though his father's this monster who can blow up a whole planet, you know, and flies off the handle and chokes people with his mind, you know, like he still thinks, well, that's my father. And I can feel that there's good in him still. And, you know, he's looking at Darth, who's like the black side of the yin-yang symbol, and he's staring at the little white dot. And that's what saves the the galaxy, because if he didn't do what he did at the end of Return of the Jedi, then, you know, things wouldn't have turned out the way that they did for the, the rebels and everything. So I think that that's missed too in all that that it's ultimately the the thing that saves us is unconditional love and you know that is a clear demonstration of what unconditional love is oh yeah and that's something as humans that's probably the most difficult uh thing that that happens for us is finding an ability to have an unconditional love I would say for me, and I'm mm -hmm. going to ask you for yours too. Uh, well, let, let's let, let's ask you: what, Have you experienced true unconditional love in this life? And if so, when when did that happen? Um, well, first, I want to I want to comment on um, you uh, and you being the the person I know because um, you have two kids now that you know obviously um your son requires so much attention and so much work on your part and that's unconditional love in action everything that you've done for him and the way you've you cared for him and you know had to struggle with his mother and all that stuff and then you have a daughter and she's born and you know, it also, and you're also facing a lot of challenges with her and um, her, you know, the way that she's developing and everything. And so you, you're this dad who loves his kids so much in there and, and they're just so much work for you. Like you have to put in so much time and love and energy as a father. And that's, when I think about you, that's that's what comes to mind for me 
first and foremost. Thank you, brother. Um, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, for me, like, um, I think that my new way of looking at unconditional love is, is also in addition to that, you know, that stuff where it's like in your family, you may have a family member that, you know, you don't necessarily get along with who gives you a really hard time, who's like uh, mean and, or, you know, has like really weird views of the world that you have to like uh, swallow and stomach. Um, <laughs> like, and, um, <clears throat> and you love them anyway, you know, and you don't just like, yeah, but I love that person, you know, um, it, it, they're my family member. And, but, but real unconditional love is, I think, when you are love in the face of uh, everything that isn't. Everything that's showing up that isn't love, when you stand in the face of that and you say, well, I am love, I know I'm love, and I know that that's what I'm here to be, and to be that even though I'm faced with this, even though this thing is happening or this person is uh, saying this right now um, or doing this to someone else. And that really obviously is, I don't love the action or the words, but I am the love that's needed in the situation. And I'll stay, I'll remain that. I won't let anything that I'm seeing or hearing knock me out of that alignment with my truth of who I really am. And um, yeah, I'm still waiting to get there myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's extremely tough. And this last couple of years has really pushed up against everybody's unconditional love. And, and I, I don't go mm -hmm. into things too deeply there, but there are obviously two groups uh, of like a divide and, and that people see things drastically different. And my philosophy has always been, even if you can't understand the other person's perspective, try to understand why they feel that way or why they think yeah. that way. And if you can mm. do that, that's a step towards the best form of unconditional love that you can have. Um, right. When you try to see the other, other side, even though it feels so wrong, it feels so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, to love the person is huge. And I think that's a beautiful definition. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You know, we're getting, we're getting uh, closer on time. So I want to get into the life that is Daniel. You, you have uh, a new, not a new baby. I always say that because I'm so used to Jeremy being 23 and Lily being three, but you have a baby who's right around the same age as Lily. Yep. Um, how has being a father shifted your life? What, what new things have you learned by being a new dad? Well, first of all, before we had her, um, you know, my wife and I, we met and, um, I almost said, you know, oh, you know, um, I don't want to be a father, so we should just, uh, not pursue this any further. Cause I know that you do want to be a mom. But I could, I just couldn't pull myself away from my wife. She's just too lovable and sweet. And so I was like, okay, um, I'm, I'm along for this ride. And then um, she came to me in, uh, what was it? I forget. 
I forget when it was in 2019, but she came to me and she said, I know we were talking about starting to try to have um, a baby in January of next year, but I just, I, you know, she's in tears and she's like, I just have to, we just have to do it now. And we literally got pregnant, like either the first or second attempt. It was <laughs> so fast. Yeah. And, um, and you know, the whole time, you know, she's pregnant, I'm still not a hundred percent on board. And, um, and then we had a home birth, which was amazing. And I was right there and they handed Talia, or I don't know if they handed Talia to me at the, where I saw her, when I saw her for the first time being handed to my wife, I started weeping uncontrollably <laughs> like like no one else in the room was crying and i'm like it's just i just was so emotional about it and um you know it's it's one of those things where i just couldn't have known how much it would mean to me to be a dad and to have this little child to love. And, um, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's all about love. Everything is, and, and love also, I think is a great catalyst for channeling because when I, when I did start channeling in uh, 2010, I, like I mentioned earlier, I had just filed for divorce and met someone like three weeks later on Abraham Cruz. It was so crazy and <laughs> fell, fell in love at, over, you know, the next, you know, she was in England and I was in LA and we were Skyping all the time. And then I start channeling, you know, and it's just like, I don't think there's, that's a coincidence. I think that, that love is that ultimate state of being that, that will raise our consciousness and our vibration so much that, we're bound to connect to something higher than ourselves and something that's existing in that realm that's closer to source. And uh, so, yeah, the having a, a child will crack open, you know, every uh, space in the heart to, to let more of that love out. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, incredibly anyone who hasn't gone through that. It's hard to explain but men are wired quite a bit differently than women because women <laughs> have that energy of the, the baby being overlaid in their chakras. So there's literally two beings as one. Uh, and I, I posted on my Facebook, uh, the, the oneness that the mother and, and child have, it's actually physiologically uh, something that's really amazing. But um, mm -hmm. as a, as my first time dad with my son, I felt the same way. I was like, I don't even like kids. I don't want to be around mm -hmm. them. I don't like the way they smell, the way they sound. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. I was pretty brutal about it. Uh, I was obviously I was 19, a young kid, but. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So 19. I was like, no. Um, but I, I was like, you know, I'm not going to be that guy who just walks away from my kids. So and mm -hmm. literally the minute I laid eyes on him, I fell in love just over and then lily i didn't know my heart could hold so much love when she came i was like jesus this is intense mm -hmm. um but it is it's beautiful have you noticed any difference in your channeling since you've had uh the baby any any shift in your channeling um with the extra love you're getting 
Well, I wish I could say yes, but no, I don't, I, I don't notice it. Um, I've just noticed like working with the Arcturian Council now for the past six plus years has, you know, every other um, collective I've worked with or being I've worked with, I've only done certain amount of time with uh, daily messages. And then I switched to a different one because I, you know, I like variety just like everybody else. But um, with them, sticking with them for the, you know, it's not a daily message anymore. Like I'm not channeling a new message every single day like I used to, but it's five days a week and I still call it daily. Um, those those messages um, have evolved over the six years of me working with them. And I think that you know, it takes time to build a trust even with a group or a being that you're channeling to really go into places that you might, you know, that might feel like it's out on a limb for you to go with, uh, you know, I, for a long time, my channeling was never about like, what's happening right now. It was always about like some kind of teaching or something. And with the Arcturians, I've been able to go there into like, uh, you know, the current energies and what they're about and what the solstice is going to be about this year and, you know, the 1111 thing and all that. It's like um, uh, I have enough faith now to like let those types of things through. Whereas I think even when you're connected and you're channeling, you know, you can still um, hold things back and play it safe. And, and I did that, I think for several years early on. Let's, let's talk about that because these, these things, uh, this is also kind of a divided perspective in our community. Some people are like, you know, uh, uh, these gates, the lion gates, the portals, eclipses, all of these things are, are really powerful, potent events. And other people are like, well, they might be, but I, I just not digging it. You know, I've heard both sides of that, but I've always noticed any kind of alignment that happens that's odd or different than the average or normal thing, any of the solstices and uh, equinoxes, they've always produced powerful results for my own psychology, mm -hmm. my own experience. What have you found by doing this channeling with the 1111 and with all, all of these different gateways of energy? Um, well, anything that, you know, will get us to focus more and anything that gets us to recognize that there's more coming, that there's always something more for us to um, receive is a good thing. And I think that these dates on the calendar help bring people together too. And so you'll be, you'll be more likely to see a group meditation or, you know, some kind of a ceremony, some kind of event that people do together because there's an expectation that something will, you know, transpire or they will receive something more. And that's a good thing. So it's, um, for me personally, have I noticed anything on those specific dates? I think I have, and I just don't remember any of them right now. Um, 
but it's usually in retrospect that I'm like, oh yeah, and that happened on the full moon or the solstice or something. Um, yeah, but I used to not pay attention to any of that. I've never been able to get into astrology in the least bit. It's like it. It's like it just couldn't. I I couldn't possibly imagine myself like going into that world and trying to understand it. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a native uh, concept for a lot of people in our community. I felt the same way. Uh, I always understood uh, from Ardiff and Treb that the 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 heavenly bodies themselves, the planets, the stars, they all have different energies as consciousness. You know, like Earth is mm -hmm. one being, yeah, yeah, is all of our souls and and all of that. But I never understood it on the level of alignment in the sky, blah blah blah. Um, but Kalina was going through this phase of, of watching a lot and there was this one guy who was on there. So I got a reading done and I actually posted my reading on YouTube and it brought me to the synchronicity that the, the energy behind all of that, whether I understand it, uh, or not has an amazing level of accuracy for a guy who didn't know anything about me except for seeing the thing called the ET whisper on the email. Um, <laughs> he literally nailed almost all of the things in my life and i shared it in full uh on, on my channel because it was so synchronistic and so amazing so there's definitely a link there there's a presence there and energy even though i don't understand it and don't use it as my own guide i, I feel the same way the energy of, of a lot of these portals have a lot to do with the attention we place on them as well mm -hmm. as the the shifts of energy with the planetary bodies themselves um, and whatever that might be, I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. it is definitely amazing. Uh, we're getting on the lower end of time. Uh, before before we get to our lightning round where I'm going to ask you some dumb questions so people <laughs> can get to know you as a human uh, better, I wanted to ask you about um, the, the channeling classes that you do too. Um, you do them monthly still, correct? I do a beginner's class once a month or an advanced class so it goes like uh this month is a beginner's class and it's on november 21st and then december i'll do the advanced and i'll just start over again in january do a beginners but then i also have a longer course that i'm starting up again december 3rd um and that will be nine two-hour classes that will meet um once a month on zoom and with a private Facebook group so people can get together and practice channeling together. Mm, that's so powerful that, when people practice yeah. together. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm excited. I, I, th I think I like teaching channeling more than I like channeling. So <laughs> really, that's amazing. I knew you've always yeah. loved it, but that's great. Yeah. Um, it's like you said, I, I like to be myself too and talk. And I also think like if somebody else, can bring something through and I can be a part of that and experience it. That's just uh, so fun. You know? Yeah. I think the most rewarding part of a channeler's job is to see someone take the information they've been given, whether by teaching or channeling, utilize it in their life and have a better journey because of it. And, and that's something, at least for me, that's been really powerful. And the reason I brought up the channeling class too, is I wanted you to tell us your favorite story about a channeling class of someone who channeled something or, or something that you understood or unexpectedly, uh, something fun for people to uh, kind of understand a little bit about how crazy it can get in that, 
the environment of trying to learn channeling? Um, yeah, I'll have, I'll definitely have revelations about channeling as I'm teaching the class, like things come to me that I never thought of before. And then because I've been doing it since 2013, consistently teaching it, it's like all of that has built over the years to make me a better uh, channeling teacher. But I have a one former student, um, Ina Lucas, who has gone on to become a full-time channeler and teacher and do, you know, do it for work full-time. Um, and that has been amazing to witness, like to see somebody grow from the time when she just would attend my little workshops in San Diego County with like 13 people at them most of the time and to see her become the, the huge powerhouse that she is now with channeling. It's uh, it's, it's a just um, always fascinating because sometimes I'll, I'll see people channeling or, you know, they'll tell me a story about what they did when they were, practicing their channeling and i'll think wow this person's more advanced than i am already <laughs> <laughs> well it's really rewarding to you to see the the practice of someone who's who's gone through a, a channeling class and learned how to channel and does it professionally it's really profound to, to watch the experience of people growing and it's, it's a powerful mm -hmm. thing uh, thank you for sharing that too brother we are going to get to lightning round now so uh, if there's any question that comes up that you don't have an answer for, or don't want to answer, just say skip and we'll move to the next thing. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> I promise this is quite uh, benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, first question, as always, what's your favorite color? Blue. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, what's your favorite band and or song? Or I'm going to I'm going to say um, for band Cold World's Kids, Cold War Kids, which I used to listen to all the time and then just recently rediscovered. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot how good these guys are. <laughs> Ooh, I've not heard of them. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Is there a song that sticks out in your mind that you like more than the it's rest? called First? Mm. Yeah, well, I'll definitely have to check that out. Um so what is your favorite food? One that I almost never get to eat. It's called durian. It's a fruit. I'm a raw fooder, raw vegan, by the way. So um, all my favorite foods are <laughs> uncooked and <laughs> fruit, vegetable, seed or nut. But uh, yeah, it's uh, durian is this uh, really uh, intensely um, creamy, like custardy, um, fruit that uh, is a delicacy and is, uh, grown mostly in Thailand. That's amazing. I've heard of them, but I didn't know what they look like, taste like, because in Michigan, I mean, we're lucky to get oranges that aren't <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, that's amazing. Um, when you have been around the world and you've seen every place uh, that you've been to, what's your favorite place just to look at the beauty and be a part of in, in nature in that beauty? Oh, what's that's so easy. It's uh, Northern California, the Redwoods. Ooh, 
Yeah, you're actually one of the, uh, the second or third person who said the Redwoods was one of their mm-hmm. favorite. Redwood I've first. never been there. I want to go. So that's yeah. a that's a to-do list. Um, what's your favorite childhood memory? Ooh. Oh, this isn't going to be so lightning. I'm going to have to think about this one. Well, does mm, anything under 18 count as childhood? Yeah, absolutely. I once hit a walk-off home run in Little League. I oh. think it, it may have been Babe Ruth League. You know, like I was already 14 or 15. But yeah, I hit a home run that won the game. And it was like, I I was not, <clears throat> leading up to that, that year, I was never like a great hitter or anything. And I just had this phenomenal season and um, something I never thought I would experience. So it was pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that would be uh, quite the thrill, the excitement <laughs> of everybody treating you like a god for the... For the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, man. Um I think that's all. I think that's all the questions we have. Um, we have a few minutes left too. So I want to give you an opportunity. Um, and before we get to that, I want to tell you, first of all, thank you, brother, for coming on today. I know you're a busy dude. Uh, you've got family and work and those things take up the majority of your time. So thank you mm. for sharing that, that uh, precious time with us. Also, thank you for being you. you you're an amazing guy. Um, we've been friends a long time and I really appreciate who you are as a person. And, um, I appreciate what you bring to the world. Um, It's a great gift, and a lot of people get a lot from it. So thank you. You're very welcome, my friend. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And I want to now give you the floor. Um, Some of the workshops that are coming up, I know you got the mega channeling uh, class, and I I think you touched on that a little bit. But what... uh, how do people get a hold of you? Where do they go? What can you offer to to people who are interested in looking further in your work or, or seeing some of your channeling or whatever the case might be? Well, if you go to my website, danielscranton.com, and that's easy to spell because Daniel's a kind of semi-common first name. And Scranton is a city in Pennsylvania where, you know, the office was based and the president is from. So... find Scranton to spell pretty easily too. Um, And I'm also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where I have thousands of videos on there um, that are all channeled pretty much. And um, yeah, those, that's where you can find me. And I've got an 1111 portal um, healing and manifestation event on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, and you can get there by going to danielscranton.com slash portal. Um, and the mega course I mentioned earlier that starts December 3rd, that's at danielscranton.com slash mega. So um, lots and you know, I keep putting out new channelings from the Arcturians, usually five days a week unless I'm taking a vacation. But um Yeah, I just keep uh, putting out new material and uh, hope that it resonates with people. It sure has, man. A lot of people have really flocked to to your channels and your social medias uh, with the things that you share. And something interesting, the daily channelings that you share, you do them in written form on a lot of your social medias as well as 
yeah um creating a place and, and you put up tons of videos too which is great um i i also wanted to uh let everybody know if you want to know how to spell daniel scranton or if you want to check out any of those links there in the comment section to all the places where this is playing tonight um and it will be replayed uh on the new networks that we are in affiliation with uh and i want to thank you again brother for coming on um before we go to there's one part we didn't cover and that's the sound healing uh, can you give a quick description of what that is and kind of what you do with that i um i started channeling tones about uh, two years after i was channeling the creators already um they they just start coming through me and you know because i've heard you channel similar tones <clears throat> With toning, one of our friends and colleagues, Wendy Kennedy, has done a lot of channeling about the power of tones and sounds. And uh, I just happened to be listening to her, um, one of her workshops where she talked about it for like four hours or the Pleiadians did. And um, they say um, tones, overtones can heal a person multidimensionally. And um, light language is another big uh, Wendy Kennedy topic. She's the one who, or the Pleiadians again, are the ones who told me that that's what I was speaking when I started to channel um, the light language, light languages that I do. And so I sort of incorporate, when I do a healing, I incorporate both the channeled tones and the uh, channeled light language because I know that these sounds work on us in ways that words are incapable of, that they contain activations and codes in them that can give a person um, so much more than any other experience that they could have will give them. So um, yeah, I just, you know, I used to only channel the tones in the beginning part of my channeling. And then I realized, oh, I think these have other applications too. I think I can use them to activate people and heal people. And that's when I started doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. And Wendy uh, was just on the show uh, a couple of months ago and we talked quite in depth about um, the the sound vibrations themselves and how that turned into light language um, for her. And now she's extensively covers light language. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never heard a light language expressed in such a way where you can hear, you know, with, with my time with Trev, I've heard a lot of ET uh, language, you know, like sounds of ET really? speaking. And really? it's the most accurate uh connection to the et language when i hear wendy doing it. so she's absolutely amazing and i mm -hmm. activated your part of that energy i've not heard your light language yet because as you know i don't usually <laughs> watch channeling um i haven't mm -hmm. done for quite a few times but you started doing that also in the last few years as well haven't you no, I started doing it in 2011, so <laughs> 11 and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, no, Wendy's a, she's in a league of her own, and um, um, my light language is something that comes out differently every time. So it's um, 
it's it's really fun it's a fun thing to channel and a lot of people are doing it now but yeah it's um thank god for her i i wouldn't know half of what i know about light language yeah, it's amazing. And I will say, by far, you have the best toning, uh, uh, undertones, overtones, uh, toning, tuning in general that I've ever heard you, you have. And if any of you have not seen Daniel channel, um, there's lots of movement, lots of energy that's going through him. But the toning itself will vibrate through your whole head, through your heart, <laughs> through your solar plexus. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. And when you're there live, it's extremely good. Um like you can feel it through the resonance. When we did the channel panels, everyone in the room was just like, whoa, that's incredible, <laughs> you know? So I appreciate that. And now I feel like a jerk. I didn't even know that you had done the <laughs> language through the time that I followed your channeling and, and watched. And yeah, well, them, for so. a long time, I didn't <laughs> even know what to do with it. You know, I was like, well, that happens sometimes. But then I started realizing, oh, when I'm doing healings on myself, I start speaking light language. So maybe it has healing properties too. And I started incorporating it more in, intentionally. Well, that's amazing. And again, brother, thank you for coming. Uh, we could keep talking for hours. Me and you are just good at talking. We've, we've had <laughs> lots of practice at it with one another too. Um, maybe next year we'll find some time where you're free. If sure. you want to come back and, and we'll, we'll go more in depth with a lot of these topics. Uh, sure. But thank you for coming, brother. Please send all my love to your family. Um, give do. them big hugs and, and love and, Thank you for being here, brother. I appreciate it more than anything. And um, we'll definitely be in touch again, brother. If we will. I love you, Rob. I love you too, brother. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, all of you who've been active in the chat. I do want to let you guys know uh, the, the Matrix Mind Media is the one who has allowed us to simulcast and actually ended up going on the slot that matthew does because he always does attend but he graciously allowed us to to do this live stream so join uh on right now as we speak as we're getting ready to go off air he is going to start his show and you can do it at the link here in the comments uh it's also down in the description under matrix mind media on the facebook page matrix mind media he will be live streaming immediately after we're done and he's going to be talking about uh spiritual awakening versus spiritual enlightenment 101 a great thing guys so come on over uh there and join us i'll be in the chat as well thank you guys for being here tonight thank you again brother i love you guys so so much um and i appreciate you. you brother on every level so thank you again same all Take right care. guys we will call it a night Next week, uh, we will be up in the air. We might have Ruben Langdon. We might not. If not, we'll have someone here. And we'll be announcing the rest of the December shows here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've gotten quite behind because of life in general. Uh, but we're there, and we love you guys so, so much. Thank you for showing up to the Enlightenment Evolution Hour. Your host, Rob Gothier, part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network, part of the Conscious Awakening Network, part of the Forbidden Knowledge News Network, and, of course, all of you lovely people here from the Matrix Mind Media, thank you for being here as we're a part of that uh, network as well, too. So thank you guys for showing up. Thank you for being here. All my love. And we'll see you guys next week at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific on the YouTubes. <laughs> love you guys and see you uh, on the other side. We're in a Matrix. We're in a Matrix. We're in a Matrix. Yeah. Let's do this.